Future Now Media Podcast, where we believe a future now is a future one. I'm your host, Peggy Kim, and I'm the founder and president of the Future Now Media Foundation, which is a nonprofit leadership incubator for the media and entertainment industry. In this podcast series, we'll be talking to some of today's top industry leaders, executives, and professionals. We'll also hear about their personal and professional career journeys, what makes them tick, how they got to where they are today, and what they've learned along the way. Today, we're going to talk about content distribution and the art of the deal. With so many new platforms and content types and content providers, it's gotten more complicated and challenging. In this episode, we'll hear a panel discussion on the subject from the 2019 Future Now Media and Entertainment Conference. Moderated by Nick Fabrizio, a career distribution executive, the panel features Phyllis Ehrlich, Group Vice President at Spectrum Reach, Jennifer Mirgorod, Executive Vice President of Content Distribution and Strategic Partnerships at Warner Media Group, Joseph Lawson, who leads Multicultural Content Strategy and Acquisition for Verizon Fios, and Misani Komi, Vice President Distribution at AMC Networks. Together, they discuss how digital technology has changed how content is distributed and consumed, and how the art of deal-making has evolved with it. They also take questions from the audience and share about the paths they each took to where they are today and what new career opportunities are emerging for early career professionals. Take a listen. So the first thing, what is video content distribution? We talk about this. It's, to us, it's the lifeblood of what we do. But just with a show of hands, how many people watch any form of video ever? Okay, that, that, okay it's pretty much everybody. Okay. How many have a favorite show or network or genre that they like to watch? Okay. We always think about what we like to watch. Maybe what channels we like, what programs we like, what series we like. But we don't always think about how it gets from point A to point B. How does it get from where it originates into your home, in, onto your phone, wherever you're getting it from? That's the root of what this group does here. It's content distribution, whether it's acquisition of content, if you're in a role like Joe's, uh, or if it's on the distribution size where you're selling the content, your content provider, as a network. The methods at which we all consume video uh, varies. A brief history, very brief, I promise you, because we could be here for a month. But <laughs> the early days of broadcast, it was limited options. You had whatever channels you can literally get up and change the channels to. You guys were never exposed to that. You're lucky. <laughs> Along came cable TV, which gave us num numerous options, numerous genres, tons of channels, pay channels, basic channels. Then came satellite TV, which is really basically the same thing as cable. The only difference was it was non-terrestrial. It came from the sky. Then we come to the internet. As you all know, the internet has changed everything dramatically. We now have so many different options from linear channels, from direct-to-consumer options. Technology has removed all of the barriers that most people had years ago in TV, where it was pure broadcast. Now you have anything you want, any place you want it, at any time. So again, broadcast. Cable, satellite, internet-driven, this Hulu, YouTube, Netflix, apps everywhere. There's tons of platforms. So that's where the challenge comes in for our, uh, our business here, and the opportunities come in. Anybody in today's world, theoretically, can offer content and can deliver content to a consumer, whether it's direct or through a partnership with a distributor. The question is how we go about doing it and how we work through the changing business model. So with that said, I'm going to jump into a few questions, please, for the group here. And I'll try to keep this mic up while I hold my paper. <laughs> but, uh... So the first thing I would ask the group here is, so 
How has digital technology changed or impacted content distribution? Jennifer, would you mind kicking that off, please? Wow. <laughs> Throws me right into the lion's den. Yes, sorry about that. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's changed significantly. I think everybody in this room can recognize from what Nick described <clears throat> in terms of the evolution of the media business, um, how potentially it's changed. So just a few years ago, there, there was no Netflix. There was no Hulu. And you pretty much subscribed to cable TV and you, yeah, that meant you paid a monthly fee um, and you got a group of a bundle of channels. But with the advent of IP delivered video, um, a service like Netflix could take off and could be easily downloaded. And you could subscribe as many of you have or used your parents' credentials <laughs> and then unsubscribe very quickly. And so <clears throat> that's, that, that was incredibly disruptive. The other thing, Netflix didn't have commercials. And so that sort of speaks to some of Phyllis's world, actually. Yes. No commercials. So the, the experience was so much better, or is so much better to, to, to many people. And so that put pressure on a traditional business model. And, and my part of my responsibility is traditional linear cable TV distribution. And so my company distributes uh, <coughs> networks such as CNN, <coughs> Cartoon Network and Adult Swim, TNT <coughs> and TBS, where there's a lot of great sports content. But our ratings have been hurt by the proliferation of online video with companies like Netflix, but also um, companies like YouTube, where my kids who are in middle school spend an incredible amount of time <coughs> watching videos on YouTube or on apps that are short form video apps. And so we've had to be, as a traditional media company, um, very quick to adapt to how we can play in those new spaces. So we have a lot of our content on YouTube, which we monetize via advertising. We have occasionally uh, licensed content to Netflix, so we play in that space. And our biggest announcement is that my company, Warner Media, is now going to be launching at the end of this year a direct-to-consumer service that will be similar to a Netflix. Um, and it will include content from HBO, which is also one of our, um, our networks within our, our portfolio, as well as content from the Warner Brothers Library, which Warner Brothers, you know, you, you may know from the movie business, but also is the largest television studio in the world. So things like Friends may not be available on Netflix anymore, but, but might only be available on the service that we're going to be launching in the fall. So that's a kind of long-winded way of Great. saying how it's, it really changed our business. Oh, thank you. So I'd like to look at it now from the other side of the equation. That would be Joe with Verizon Fios. So Joe would be responsible for actually negotiating with Jennifer and adding her content onto the Verizon Fios platform. So you've heard from the content side. Joe, can you give us some insights on how it's changing and how these relationships are being affected and so on and so forth for you? Yes. I, thank you guys for coming here. Um, you're investing in your career, investing in your in your understanding, and I want to always acknowledge that whereas you have friends that want to do the same thing you're doing that aren't here, you're here. That's a competitive advantage for you. So thank you for coming. In terms of what's changed, we're in the age of options now. We're in the age where people can get content from lots of different places, 
um, whether it's the cable company, whether it's Amazon, Hulu, um, whether it's um, Apple TV, Roku. And this is surprisingly just getting started. So as a content distributor, Fios used to be essentially a gatekeeper. If you wanted people to see your new network, you had to come to Fios, or you had to go to Comcast, and you had to do a deal with us. Not so anymore. You can put your content up on YouTube, you can put your content on Amazon, all these other places we just mentioned. And so when we talk about the distributor, what we're doing, and I think what you'll see content distributors do, do is try to create platforms where people can get all the content, not just the, the traditional linear cable TV, where they can get, and you can see it now, where they can get YouTube, they can get um, Amazon, Hulu, the new Disney service. We're gonna do that, Comcast is gonna do that, Spectrum is gonna do that, so that um, the deals are gonna be um, not just with regular cable TV service, but with uh, apps and OTT, and there'll be deals for mobile. And so if you're interested in content and content distribution, you're gonna have a lot of different career options, whether it's working with uh, um, AT&T, uh, which is, or us, whether it's working with um, tech companies like Amazon, probably Facebook will be marketing and content and they'll be doing deals with content. So if you're interested in um, doing deals, there are lots of places and, deal, and companies like us are gonna be focused on trying to make sure that we can provide the best deals to our customers. And so you gotta be really good at negotiating. Great. And that's one of the key things. Great, thanks, Jim. So you, now you get both sides of the equation in terms of content and distribution. Uh, the business model is changing dramatically, and I, I wanted to ask Phyllis if you could just talk a little bit about now the way things are changing, everything that Joe said, that Jennifer said. Uh, when you look at your uh, particular space in the advertising <coughs> world, how is, it how is the technology changing that? What opportunities and challenges is it creating for you and your group? Okay, so I work for Spectrum Reach, which is the advertising sales division of Spectrum, the cable company, Charter Communications. And what we do is we help monetize all of the great programming that we pay millions of dollars to, to all of these uh, different providers over here, um, to be able to defray the cost for subscribers. Um, but at the end of the day, what's really changed is consumer behavior. And everybody here has talked about how consumers are <clears throat> consuming content. And really, you're right, it's the consumer is in charge. You can decide what content, what programming you want to watch, when and on what platform. So that has dramatically changed advertising because now if you're a top marketer and you're a top brand, you can figure out how to target your audience more effectively and efficiently through some of the data that we can provide you via our set-top boxes and you can figure out on what platform to reach that consumer. Whether you're at home watching the Super Bowl on a big screen, whether you're watching on your laptop, whether you're watching on your iPad or even on your phone. So it's dramatically changed also the product suite that's available for marketers and advertisers from just a traditional 30 second commercial to now the ability to insert live on the phone um, or on an iPad 
via, in our case, the Spectrum TV app or third-party apps like AMC or ESPN or some of the, the uh, Warner Media networks. So the whole model has changed, but at the end of the day, advertising uh, revenue still is part of the business model because it helps defray the cost to the consumer. Great. Thank you. So, so Misan, if we take a look now, okay, <laughs> everything we've discussed here. So there's major brands, there's independent brands. AMC has a great suite of phenomenal brands. Thank you. How has this changed from your, I don't know if you can give a specific example of things you're doing in the new space that complement what you've done with distributors or expand that relationship? Right. So, yeah, that's a great question. Just so everyone knows, I work at AMC, so that means I handle distribution for AMC, BBC America, WeTV, IFC, Sundance, and also our film company, IFC Films. And so this is obviously, like everyone has said on the panel, is all about the consumer having as many options as possible. And we have new entrants such as Facebook. That is, you know, they have the Facebook Watch product that they're trying to figure out the best way to reach its huge subscriber base of customers. So last year, I worked on a deal for one of our TV shows, the Independent Spirit Awards. Uh, and we figured out a way to license the digital offering of the Spirit Awards for it to stream on Facebook while also streamed on Linear, the traditional cable output. So it's basically making sure that we're evolving and being nimble enough to really serve the needs of our customers. So if they want to watch, watch the Spirit Awards on Facebook, they can. If they want to watch it on IFC or one of our networks, they can as well. And really being able to have a broad spectrum of options to make our customers as happy as possible. Because at the end of the day, we do these shows, we do all this work just for you guys to watch the stuff. If we don't have you watching it, what's the point, right? So it's, it's all part of really being able to shift from the traditional cable model, but of course not ignore it, because it's a huge, huge subset of what we do, but realizing that the world is changing rapidly and being able to evolve as quickly as it is, or try to, anyway. Great, thanks. So, so again, today is really about opening up some career opportunities for you guys, and I'm counting on a lot of great questions. What I'd like to do now is ask the group, just get their opinion on where they believe, well, first of all, I guess I'd like to ask each of you quickly, your career path. And I know, we, again, each of these can be individual sessions because we've got some great experience here. Uh, but just if, like, in a couple of sentences, if each of you can just go down the line and give your career path to your current role, I'd appreciate it. Sure. Um, so I like to think of my career path as an adventure and a journey that's still ongoing. And it's all about um, invention and reinvention. Um, I actually started out on the creative side of the world as a magazine editor. And along the way, I jumped over to cable television um, for a kid's brand, the Cartoon Network. And then I was in a startup in interactive TV advertising and now in local cable television for the last nine years years. Great, thank you. Jennifer? Uh, yes, I'll, I'll uh, quickly try to explain my very long career. <laughs> um, I started off in research, uh, media research, for five years. I then went into ad sales. Um, I took a career step down. I took a, it was not even a lateral move in terms of title. I went Two, two titles down to get into ad sales. I did that and worked my way up and then went into content distribution. Um, and I worked internationally during part of that journey. And actually, most of my ad sales career was in international. Great. Thanks, Joe. I'm going to do a different twist on this. My career path really was all about networking and about working in volunteer organizations. I was president of the National Association of Minorities in Communications. Um, 
I have spent a lot of time working with people. And so each job I got, I was at ESPN, I got that job because I was working, because I worked with people from, uh, name it. I got um, a job at Bresden Communications because of that. The person that hired me, uh, got me hired in Verizon was somebody I hired. Even my, the place I rent now, I rent it from a former employee. So my, my income, where I live, all that stuff is based on the fact that I develop good relationships. And this is in the, in, in the course of networking or, or negotiating contracts and that kind of thing. So the key to your career path, not necessarily always steps with companies as building strong relationships that allow you to get to the next level. Great point. That's Thanks, great. Yeah, yeah, love that's, that answer. Yeah, yeah that was really good. I'm, I'm it, sad I have to like, follow up that, actually. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's going to be a combination of everyone's answers. It's actually, it's all about networking. It's all about being flexible. Because I started as a corporate transactional law lawyer. I worked at a big New York law firm for about six and a half years doing mergers and acquisitions law. And then I realized that I hated it. And so I <laughs> uh, ended up here for the last two and a half years. And that's been great. But it's really because of people that I knew that helped me get there, me also being able and willing to take a risk and be flexible. Great, thanks. So there's a lot of great takeaways in this. Uh, the two I'd point to is number one, let's, if we talk about networking for a moment, it is so critical. Each of you talking to each of each other in the group here, talking to us, and just continuing to grow that network. It's, it, there's no, not going to be any better resource for you. Another key point, uh, I believe, is what Jennifer made, and I actually had the same experience. When you're getting into your career, do not hesitate to take what you might perceive as a step back to be able to take two steps forward. Uh, I went through a similar thing where I was in a role for a number of years doing media research at a, at a television rep firm. But I really wanted to break into the cable side of the business. It was really exciting me. I just, it just took me a while to find the right role. In order to do that, I had to take a couple of steps back title-wise. But what it exposed me to exponentially grow my knowledge, and it just helped me Really, it's what really catapulted, my, my, in my opinion, my career. So do not hesitate to take a step back. Of course, you have to evaluate everything, but there's usually more opportunity in doing so. So having said that, what I'd really like to jump into with you guys is, for students entering the market, what type of, not so much advice, but career opportunities. I think we start with career opportunities. We talked about content distribution. We talked about working at a network, working at a cable operator, advertising sales. What would you guys throw out as some examples of career opportunities or things to explore? Um, I think one of the biggest opportunities right now is in the world of data and analytics. Um, and you know, there's a lot, the big data is a buzzword and that's really, you know, this massive uh, concept that you can't sometimes get your arms around. But in every aspect of business, Everybody is looking for ROI, return on investment. And a lot of the way that that is proven is through data and analytics. Um, in our world right now, the currency um, for how television advertising was bought for the last however many years is changing um, from Nielsen ratings to much more of impression-based, actually being able to show you know, what audience you reached and what was the impact. Um, you know, we have the digital disruptors like Google and Facebook to thank for that, but it is much more measurable and provable. So if you have an analytic or research-oriented mind, there are a lot of new jobs that haven't existed five years ago, three years ago. Uh, great, thanks. Jennifer? Um, I, would, I, would, I would 
completely uh, agree with what Phyllis said. That's, that's where a lot of opportunity is in my company right now. Um, and I'd also say, try to look for a situation that, and it could be that it's a startup because startups tend to grow quickly, but look for a situation where there's a lot of growth opportunity. Okay. Whether it's, whether it's um, uh, maybe it's that, that the company takes a little while to take off in, from a revenue perspective, but you can see that it's something new and there's, there's tremendous opportunity. I don't mean avoid a company like Warner Media because that's an old tradition. Or AMC, company. come or AMC. to AMC, yeah. please. Or look for a part of our company, all, all, all four of our companies actually, that is the growth engine or the growth engine maybe in three or four or five years. Um, that, that was my experience. I, I started at my company in, in the international division where it was, it was growing exponentially every year. And what that means is that you'll get lots of opportunity. There won't be, um, there, you, you might you know, have an opportunity for promotion after a couple of years. You'll have an opportunity to try new things, do lateral moves. Um, I think that's something that, and it, maybe it isn't even a business or an industry that you're interested in, but I think that idea of being in a place where there's a lot of action and growth um, is really appealing early in your career, particularly. Great, thanks. One thing before Joe starts, if anybody has any questions, I believe we want to get folks just heading towards the mic to save a little time to make sure we'll have it. But let's go to Joe, please. Uh, 5G. Yes, this is a Verizon <laughs> commercial. You've seen plenty of them about 5G. But we believe, and I think if you look at China and the rest of the world, 5G is going to be the, equi the equivalent of the fourth industrial revolution. So to what you said about going opportunities, there's going to be so many applications we haven't even thought of. For example, 4G made Uber possible. But when 4G first came out, nobody thought, oh, we're doing 4G so we can create Uber. No, 4G came and then people filed an application. 5G has so much stuff going for it in terms of, of uh, data, the ability to crunch data, move data around, move information from place to machine to machine, from person to person. There is going to be tremendous opportunity. 13 million 5G homes are projected in, in the next five years. That's opportunity for, for all sorts of things. And, and then look at VR and AR. Those are big future opportunities. You're going to see content mergers between um, regular TV and, and that. And so um, look in those areas. Excellent. Misa? Uh, so I would echo what everyone else has said, but maybe just a little bit of a different twist. Think of the type of sort of experience you want. Like what are the skills you're trying to learn and what are you looking for? For example, because I was a lawyer, I know how to read contracts and you know sort of how to look at it from a business angle and approach arguments critically. So think about the type of skills that you want and looking to learn and see if the roles that are available will help enhance and build them. And that might be a good way to approach your career. Great, thank you all. Those are great, great uh, feedback and great thoughts. So it's time for Q&A. So if anybody's got a question, uh, I believe we have one mic that we'll be working off of over here. Just be prepared to get this. We save a little time. We're hoping to take as many questions as we can. So you have a question. Good morning, my name is Malika Fortu. I wanna thank you all for being here. Um, my question for you all is, um, in the age of individual content creation, how do your networks go about acquiring new material or how has that process changed in the recent years? Great, great question. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I can start. Um, so I think it's really, I'll, so I'll give you an example. Um, so 
every, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people here have heard of Insecure, right? Obviously. Um, so I remember a few years ago, um, I heard the story when I joined the company, our CEO went around and asked the interns at the company, what are you guys watching? Like, what are you interested in? And a lot of people were watching Diary of an Awkward Black Girl on YouTube. And he had never heard of this. He had no idea what this was. So it was really trying to figure out, oh, like my sort of my mindset as, you know, a middle-aged CEO might not be the same as younger people and what they, what they want to watch and what the type of content that we should be creating and producing. And so it's really trying to get a finger of the pulse on what does Gen Z like to watch? What do millennials like to watch? And creating content that we think will actually resonate with the audience and with human beings from all different races and backgrounds and ages. So, I mean, I think that's how we try to do it. I'm not the expert though. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have anything to add to that. That's, that's similar yeah. To, yeah. to our situation. Great, great. So another question. So let me, let me ask one, uh, or you could, somebody's coming on down, but while we're waiting, um, how many people are focused on the media, when you talk about media in your careers, how many people are focused on the business aspects of media in their careers? Okay, great. So hopefully some of this you're finding very helpful, and it should definitely spawn some other thoughts here. Please, your name and your question. Hi, my name is Kayla, and I also want to thank you guys for coming out here. This is so, so helpful, you know, for being in college and getting to experience talking to all of you professionals. So my question, I was kind of wondering if any of you had any particular advice if you're interested in several fields in the media and industry. For instance, I'm really interested in, like, the creative side and production, but also I'm so curious about marketing and analytics. I love, like, looking at analytics of things and things like that. So, yeah. I think if you're still in school, uh, summer interns, mm -hmm. internships are the best way to experience um, different aspects of the world. Um, our summer interns actually start today at Spectrum Reach, and it's also a great opportunity um, to possibly land your first job. Uh, so I have two of my former summer interns who are currently interviewing for full-time positions. So it's a great opportunity to learn and also make an impression. But strategically, you can think about throughout your you know, college career, one summer you'd like to experience this type of job and these kind of skills and another here. So it can give you an idea of maybe what your first path forward is. Great, thanks. Anybody else? First of all, get in where you can and even if you have some, like, like if you say you want to explore the creative side and you're in advertising, uh, then you just network inside the organization with those people and, and trade associations. Outside groups, whether they're meetups or whatever, are unbelievably critical for, for allowing you to switch from one area to another. And so you, you, you just try on what you like. You will find out what's really good and what really feels good and where you really excel. But get in where you can and then move around. It's okay to move around now. It's not like the old days where our parents stayed in one job or one area all their lives. Yeah, it's a, it's a Completely very- Completely agree with that. And just one thing to add uh, on. Um, so yes, get, get in where you can. And then in those industry groups, there are opportunities for you to volunteer for leadership positions. So if you're interested in um, helping out on web design, or that's where you can get some of those skills. In, in there's a there's an organization called Women in Cable Telecommunications, WICT. Um, you can join the board, and there are plenty of opportunities to volunteer, and and you can try on some different hats and see what you like. Great. Good. Just what I'd Thank like to you add so to much. that. So yeah, so no, but to the same point, this applies to what you're saying and to everybody. So yeah. it's so critical to get that first opportunity. Mm -hmm. And don't, you know, don't be concerned about it not being ideal. 
very similar to what everyone's saying. Once you're in that role, find folks in that organization who are willing to mentor you or just share what they do. If you're in a creative role and you want to learn more about analytics, feel free to go talk to the research team and ask them what they do. They'll, most people will be happy to give you that time and they'll actually appreciate that you're taking an interest in their area. And who knows what that'll you know, lead to. Thank you so much. Hi, everybody. My name is Dee Snape. I want to thank you all for coming and sharing your wonderful advice with us today. Um, I have a question specifically for Jennifer, actually, um, if you don't mind me asking. Um, with Warner's recent acquisitions of Turner and HBO and things of that nature, I just wanted to know what challenges do you see, like, do you foresee Warner experiencing with competing with giants like Netflix and Hulu, especially with you mentioning um, your new streaming platform that you're creating? Um, yeah, that's a great question, <laughs> and it's it's debated in the press constantly, actually. So, um, I think you know the, the challenge for a traditional media company is that we have a um, a line of business and a revenue stream that we want to protect. At the same time, we want to develop a new revenue stream, and so it makes it it makes it very hard. You don't want to walk away from um, uh, traditional linear TV, which still has immense value and immense value for the shareholders of my parent company, AT&T. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to be careful about how you do it and you wanna make sure that they're two different experiences. So what you're doing on this direct to consumer platform that we're gonna launch is different from what you offer on your linear TV networks. And so that's the, the, the needle we're threading right now. And um, it's, it, I think we, we have the advantage of having a vast library of content and production studios that will continue to pump in amazing content um, into both linear and the direct-to-consumer. So I think that's the advantage. But, but trying to make sure that we, we, we navigate waters that, um, that you know, other companies have tried and, and we, I think will be successful, but, but it's definitely a challenge. Definitely, and I wish you all the best with success with that. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Hello, my name is Robert. And with Amazon not coming to New York or coming to New York, how does that structure kind of what you focus on with growing in, in, in areas like New York and reaching people who are less represented? Less what? Less represented. Some people say underrepresented, or I say less, represent, less represented. Well, the physical location of Amazon for our purposes doesn't really mean a lot. We're trying, we, we're, you know, probably, we're, we're like everybody else, we're trying to do deals with Amazon um, for, for content and for dis potential distribution. Um, we, um, to, to answer your question, believe very strongly that they're gonna be lots of frenemies. Um, our, all of our, con our companies compete in many ways, Constantly. but we also have deals with each other. Yes. She sells our, our Verizon ad sales. We have a deal with Warner. We have a deal with AMC, right. but then we compete on other areas. So um, I think the key thing is not so much that they're competitors, as you find reason, places where you compete and then places where you can work together. And the successful companies are the ones that do both well. Thank you. Said. Any more questions? Come on down. While you're up, I just wanted to say one thing. This is just human to human. 
being young and in your career, the most important thing in life, one of, you could say this, at least from a philosophical standpoint, is the ability to ask questions. Being young and in your career, people will notice people, especially younger people, that answer, ask good questions. So continue to ask. Hello. I'm, it's a, it's a, no pressure, though. That doesn't a, mean everybody should get up, but maybe you should get up. It's, absolutely. Hi, so there's a microphone over here, guys. There's two. <laughs> um, I, I just wanted to ask, so as someone who you know, doesn't know much yet about the, the media, like business and um, companies, like from an outside viewer, like all I see is like, oh my gosh, all the big companies are becoming one com Like they're just, there's, you know, um, and the, you know, especially with media, like as I personally am a, I'm studying to be a content creator, um, but, you know, and now I'm seeing like, oh wait, my favorite company just got bought by Comcast. Like, you know, like it's, it's um, telecommunications companies buying out the, um, buying out the uh, media creators. And it reminded me of, um, like in, in my freshman history, media history class, which I only vaguely remember, unfortunately. It just reminds me of like how they used to, um, there was like a big thing where, where um, media companies, like the studios had to stop owning theaters. Um, but now, you know, telecommunications companies are the, the distributors. And so it's like, is this the same thing over again? Um, I guess my question is, ah, this is happening. Is this a good thing? Or are we, you know, maybe there's a lot that makes sense that I don't know about, or maybe, you know, I should run for my life and be scared. You know what? No, definitely. <laughs> you should run for your life and be scared. That's definitely what should happen. <laughs> uh, sorry. Go, Go ahead. Uh, no, I mean, I think there's a lot to be, I think you're, we probably we know as much as you do to be honest about how this is going to play out you know there are some there's some good aspects for it for sure and jennifer can speak more to that than the whole sort of experience um but there are things that we just don't know about how this is going to play out this might end up being a great thing for the consumer because there are you know places that will have the money to create content that people want to see it might end up being that they're going to be like super jacked up prices for people getting stuff so we don't really know but i think what's exciting is that it's evolving rapidly and changing, and you can be a part of helping it be what it becomes, whatever whatever it should be. But you can have all of you here have a part in creating what it is. So it's not sort of like you know you're a powerless consumer. You guys are all studying to be part of the business and be powerful mover and shakers and making it become what it is. So you should take this as a chance to be like, oh well, this is a chance for me to really make my mark. I'm not sure how yet, but I'm going to do it. Right. No matter which way it goes, it's all opportunity. And you have to take that opportunity and grab it and run because you'll never get that opportunity again. There'll be new opportunities, but that opportunity will come and go. So it's, it's all positive. We have time for, I believe, two more questions or so. We have about a minute and a half. Um, please, right over here. Hi, my name's Allie. I'm a graduate student in the media management program at the New School. Um, so I wanted to ask, with the proliferation of streaming services, it seems like there's a lot of competition for consumer time and attention. With Warner launching its streaming service, and I know BritBox launched as more of a niche service with AMC. So my question would be, what is your unique value proposition to try and get that user time and attention? Is it more about the superiority of your specific content or is it more about the accessibility of that content and making sure that people have as many opportunities as possible to, to see what's out there? Well, as a distributor, I'll say this one thing. The most important thing in the age of choice is to give customers any option they want. 
They can buy anything they want on your, pro on, on your platform, and that becomes your competitive advantage. And if you can get it cheaper than other people, that's even better. But the key thing is people need to know, if I go to you, I can find what I want, and I can find it at a good price. Thanks. Let's try to get in these last two questions, please. We'll, we'll have to be brief, but. Hi, my name's Janina Riley. I'm an upcoming junior at Pace University. Um, and I was just wondering, like, I'm, I'm young, I don't really have much experience in industry whatsoever. So um, in terms of advice, how do you guys suggest like navigating such a large industry where there's so many different fields and so many different um, people that you have to meet with and network with and information that you kind of have to know to be able to excel in this business? Like what would be some pointers for something like that? I would say that you, you're at a great university with some great professors. I would say chat with them in some of your classes and also take advantage of the career center here. And alumni as well. Um, when I was looking for a job after I left the law firm, uh, it was what really helped was reaching out to alumni of my undergrad and my law school and just talking to them. I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but they were willing to meet and have coffee and get on a phone and just chat through their own career process. Great, thanks. Be extremely good with numbers because people don't care if you have experience, if you can run numbers. Be extremely good with PowerPoint, Excel. Right. That's a good entry level point in Take addition to asking good questions. Take all those basics in with you. Last question. Uh, I was just one. hi, I'm James. I just wanted to wonder, as someone who's more interested in the creative side of like the industry, how do you recommend, like, what do you look for when you're like, like looking at like who to give funding to and who to like give a platform when they're applying to become a content creator or create something. I, I don't work really on the creative side, so I, I, I struggle to give you a, an, a, a correct answer on that question. Um, I do think, and it's something that the other gentleman sparked my thinking, you're, we're in a world where it's content has been king, but there's so many people competing for content right now that you're in a sweet spot. So I, you know, I don't know. I, I would go back to what Phyllis said about talking to your professors about what the opportunities are and how to how to try to get yourself out there. Yeah, I mean, I would just say create and be original, and just you know, work like heck to get in front of the right people. That's and if you can get a following on YouTube or wherever, that's, that helps. All right, thanks. So listen, these questions, thank you so much. I mean, the questions were phenomenal. A lot of these questions are exactly what we talk about every day when you're talking about vertical integration and content owners and distributors and so on. So I'm very impressed with the questions and I see a lot of great careers out there for all of you. And I know you're all gonna be very successful. We do have to wrap. There will be a mentor, the mentoring roundtables later on. So please take any questions that didn't get answered or that come up for the rest of the day and work it around the room. Thank you so much. Thanks to this great panel. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Maybe you might be considering a career in distribution. You love sales, you like interacting with people, and you love making deals and making money. Distribution is the revenue driver for the business, and definitely an area that is growing and evolving as streaming and mobile technologies are becoming more advanced. But whether you pursue a career in distribution or not, it's something that everyone in the business needs to understand in order to do their jobs well. So I encourage you to read up and talk to people working in distribution. I'm Peggy Kim. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to get first access to our upcoming Future Now episodes and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. 
Until next time, remember, a future now is a future one.